And thank you for joining us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church in Kannapolis, North Carolina. As associate pastor, Barry Murray shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. I want to see who's here because you're going to get mad at me tonight before we get done. So I want to see when you don't talk to me anymore in the future who it is and what you're mad at me about. But I'm going to be an old time preacher tonight, amen? Because, uh, by the way, I am. And I am old. Durr. <laughs> and uh, anyhow, but uh, I'm looking forward to preaching this evening. And I want to help us all this evening. Uh, it's just a little... It's raining out in it. A little picture of uh, being 40-some years actually keeping an eye on things in, in the uh, church world and what I see happening and what I see happening and fearful for the next 40 years in the church world. Uh, it's kind of scary if you really open your eyes and see what's going on, where we've come from and where we're at. But a lot of things are good. A lot of things haven't been good. But anyhow, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 15. Genesis 15 to start off with this evening with the... Uh, we're talking about Abraham or Abram, if you would, tonight. Genesis chapter 15. Appreciate the opportunity to preach this evening. I noticed that the schedule moved on quickly, and it's just quarter after six. But don't get your hopes up. Uh, I think Pastor Dean was kind of hinting to me that he wanted to move on tonight and get out of here to go home and watch the Cowboys get beat, which has been my prayer forever. The more they get beat since way back in the 70s when the Steelers beat them all the time for the Super Bowl. I mean, it's always been my prayer. The Lord just beat that team to death, and we still like them for some reason. I don't know why that is. And uh, Brother Howells used to say because they have a hole in the stadium, he could watch the game. God could watch the game from heaven as they, as they played. And I said, I surely hope not because he'd be disappointed. But anyhow, but uh, Genesis 15, did you hear the story? A preacher was, uh, was died. He had died. He was in line to get to heaven. And I don't believe this is, is true now, but, uh, of course, St. Peter is always there. It's always Peter. Uh, why isn't it John? But anyhow, St. Peter was there. But the guy in front of him was waiting to get in heaven too. And the preacher asked this guy, uh, what do you do in your life? And the guy replies, well, I was a bus driver. But I always stole and cheated and broke the law and, uh, and a lot of things like that. And the preacher said, what? and he said, what do you do in life? And the preacher said, well, in my life, I was a preacher. I always gave to charity and I was nice to people and gave the longest sermons. Eventually, the bus driver walked up to St. Peter, and they began talking for a few moments, and the Peter invites the bus driver to go on into heaven. The preacher walks up to St. Peter, and Peter says, so what, what did you do in your life? And the preacher says, well, I was a preacher, and I always did good things. I gave a charity, did my best to preach the gospel of Christ, and uh, followed the commandments, and uh, do I get to go to heaven? And Peter said, I don't know. What says the preacher? What do you mean? The bus driver got to go to heaven. Why can't I get to go to heaven? And Peter said, you gave sermons. Everyone was always falling asleep. But when the bus driver drove his bus, everyone was always praying. <laughs> uh, so we'll have to see about that. Then this, this is my favorite one. And we'll get into it in a second here. 
My favorite story was that there was a preacher on his deathbed. I'm not sure why there's a preacher jokes tonight, but uh, old preacher jokes. But a preacher was on his deathbed and he died. And he called for two men of his church to come by and be with him as he's dying. He called, one was a lawyer and one was a banker. And he went to the pastor's house and went up to the pastor's bedroom. And they were there. And, and the, pa- the pastor said, preacher said, hey, one, one of you going to one side, one on the other side. And just be, w- be with me during this time right here. And I'm getting ready to pass away. And the banker and the lawyer kind of confused because they really they didn't think the preacher really liked them very well to begin with and he invites them to be there as he's passing away so finally one of them said well pastor why did you invite us to be here and he said i want to be like jesus that when i die i'm between two thieves all right (laughs) all right all right stand on our feet and read genesis 15 you would this evening those are just humorous now nothing Genesis 15, look at verse number 1, if you would, with me. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. I love some phrases in this passage we're going to read tonight. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my household, this Eleazar of Damascus? It's a question mark. He's asking him. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born of my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord, and he's referring to Eleazar, his, his, his uh, servant there. If nothing happens, I don't have children, it's going to go to Eleazar, and we know about him later on in chapter 22, but it's gone. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This, is not, uh, this shall not be thy heir, but he that shall come forth out of thy own bowels shall be thy heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look not toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. Excuse me, be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. So look into heaven and see if the stars of the sky, uh, you can't count them all. That's going to be your seed. Verse 6, I love this verse also. And he believed in the Lord. Oh boy. He believed in the Lord. And he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of, the, uh, out of Ur of the Chaldees to give, thee, uh, to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know thou shalt inherit it? Then he said unto him, Take me a heifer. That's not your spouse. Of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove and a young pigeon and he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another but the birds divided he not and when the fowls came down upon the carcasses and I like this phrase and it's the phrase for tonight Abram drove them away and when the sun was going down a deep sleep fell upon Abram and lo, a horror of a great darkness fell upon him. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God this evening. And God, we thank you for this reminder of the event here in Abraham's life and Abram's life of what you promised him and how we know the end of the story, how you did promise him. You did give him seed beyond even be able to count. And we thank you for that. But Lord, help us to learn from this passage of Scripture this evening, something that we are allowing to slip by. And Lord, we need to keep a hold of it. We need to keep it before us. Or we're going to lose some things that we have. 
I ask you to bless this sermon tonight. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Sarah, as we know, uh, had no children. And God came down to Abraham here in this chapter. We know this. And he said, as the stars of the sky, so shall your seed be. And Abraham's up there in years. And he's beginning to wonder how this can ever happen. I'm getting to be too old for all this to happen. Nevertheless, Sarah was way too old for this to happen. And God said, I'm going to confirm it. I'm going to show you that I mean what I say. I want you to sacrifice a three-year-old heifer and a, and a, a, a three-year-old she-goat and a ram and a turtle dove and a pigeon and these animals and these birds should be dead upon the altar and I will consume those sacrifices with fire. And this is a divine confirmation that I'm going to give you a boy. This is one of the greatest statements, I think, in Scripture. And he believed in the Lord. Boy, I wish we could learn how to just believe in the Lord. Abraham believed in the Lord. And God said, I will do this for you. And Abraham says to God, I believe you. Amen. I believe it. And that it was counted unto him for righteousness. One of the sweetest things in the entire Bible took place then. Abram, Abraham was accustomed to doing exactly what God said. He already left his home. He already left his family. He's been traveling like a nomad for years, uh, listening and following what God asked him to do. So he already, God says it, I'm going to do it because I'm kind of stuck right now. If I don't listen to him because I'm out here in nowhere land, right? And Paul speaks about this in his epistle in Romans chapter 4. He says, what shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? And if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof glory, but not before God. For, he, for what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and what? And it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is reward, not reckoning of grace, but of debt, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So Paul here is showing us and basically backing up what God has shared with Abraham, what Abraham was saying, I'm going to believe God. This evening, you and I will never go wrong if we believe God. Amen. We have a hard time believing God. You'll never go wrong. So Abraham took a three-year-old heifer. He, not a two-year-old, uh, not a four-year-old, but a three-year-old. Uh, he took the heifer and the goat and the ram and the turtle dove and, uh, and the pigeon, and he laid them side by side on the altar, just like God said. And Abraham waited for the fire to fall, but the fire didn't fall right away. It didn't come right down right away. And Abraham saw a strange thing. Vultures and buzzards and other carnivorous animals begin swooping down toward the sacrifice on the altar. Thus the title tonight, Chasing Buzzards. I try to get sermon titles so you remember what I say. I don't know what he said, but I like that buzzard part. Amen, you'll remember that. And Abraham wanted to see the fire fall when well, these creatures were coming down trying to devour the bodies of these sacrifices. And the Bible says there, uh, Abraham chased them away. When the buzzards came, 
Abraham didn't say, boy, aren't they so beautiful? Look at them. No, he chased them away from being able to uh, uh, ruin the sacrifice that he placed there. Imagine the age of Abraham trying to chase away these sacrifices that he lined up and he can't wait long enough for God to come and confirm the covenant. But the buzzards are attacking the sacrifice. And Abraham said, uh, I'm not going to let you take them. You can't have them. The principle tonight is this, folks. We cannot let the buzzards take our sacrifices. That's exactly what's happening today. Let me tell you right now, these vultures are not dead and they're very much alive today trying to pick and to water down the truths of the word of God. You let a church preach the truth of Calvary and you watch the vultures attack it. You let a person get caught up uh, in, in the winning of folks to Christ and you'll see what happens to them. Even amongst the church, they'll be criticized for what they're trying to do to get other folks to Jesus Christ. Watch someone who loves his Bible and loves to share Jesus with other people and see what happens when, when you take the promises of God and, you, and uh, you show them in front of buzzards, you are going to be attacked. You see these animals are pictures of the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ himself. And when the buzzards were coming to, to desecrate them, Abraham said, you're not going to have what my Savior in the future is going to do for me. You can't have his sacrifice. And after this, Abram goes to sleep, and Abram's paralyzed in his sleep, and he's kind of put off to the side. And it seems very strange that God would paralyze him in sleep when he's supposed to be uh, making a, a, a contract with them. But it's a very unusual contract. God is going to go through the sacrifice because uh, God's promising something. But Abram is not going to go through it because Abram is not, the pro is not promising to do a thing. Abraham is just one who believed God. God's the one who's going to fulfill the promise. But Abram believed God. So Abraham was fighting away, uh, or fighting away uh, those that would come and, and take away the sacrifice that he had put out there on the altar. Abraham was fighting off everything that would do an injustice to this sacrifice. Now, you and I don't know too much about sacrifice today. We, we, we in America are spoiled. We don't know anything about really sacrificing for the cause of Christ. Let's be honest. I mean, we get in trouble and we get mad. We lose our Christianity if we have to wait in line too long. Right? You take my parking spot at Walmart, I'm going to lose who I am and let you have it. Right? Oh, I, I'm not, oh, we, we, we pay a little bit too much for something, we're going to lose it. We, we, go, we go ballistic. We don't know anything about sacrifice. Not much about it. And I'm concerned that we're losing our fighting spirit against the sacrifices that have been paid for us. We're not chasing away any buzzards, we just go along with the flow. In our country, we have segment of our country of folks who care deeply about the sacrifices of others that we all may enjoy the things we enjoy in our country, right? But hang on a minute. 
Also in our country, we have segments of people uh, who try who not only ignore the sacrifices totally, they try to teach a different version of the sacrifices and change history of America. But hang on a minute, not only with that, there is a segment of our country that just don't care either way. In our land. In the church. I used to fear one generation behind me didn't care. But now maybe two generations behind me don't care what took place for them that they get now to enjoy. Let me get practical. I'll get back to the spiritual part and finish up the message, all right? Preachy, then teachy. How's that, all right? I wasn't here 80 years ago when Central Baptist Church was started. Preacher named J. Harold Smith preached a revival for weeks here in Kannapolis and started multiple churches in this area. And one of those churches was Central Baptist Church. I wasn't here when he did that. I wasn't here when it started. I have been a part of uh, planting and founding and starting churches, and I know it takes a lot of sacrifice. I heard J. Harold Smith one time in person up in uh, Gospel Light Baptist Church in Walkertown, North Carolina, way back in the early 90s, I heard him preach. He preached his famous sermon, God's Three Deadlines. We were at a workers' conference there. It was a workers' conference. It wasn't a revival. It wasn't a church meeting. Uh, I don't know how many people were there. Uh, I don't know, 2,000 people or something like that. And they'll term something like that from all over the country were there. And he preached that night, that sermon. And I was there till midnight where 101 folks got saved that night in a workers' conference. Not a lost people's conference. Deacons, deacons' wives, bus workers, leaders. And I remember right, one pastor's wife. How do you know that? Because we had to hear all the testimonies of every one of them before we go home that night. That's the way it used to be. And we were trying to get back to South Carolina, and we ended up having to stay there. And I'm glad I stayed and heard it all. But what really was amazing to me was he pulled an envelope out of his jacket when he got done. And he said, I've been praying to God that he would do something tonight in the service. And he took the envelope, and I've been praying. And in this envelope is a number of people I've been praying for for God to save here in this meeting tonight. And we're talking about a workers' conference. And here he is praying. And he opened that envelope up and on there really bright said 100 and I, I, I like uh, this is just, this can't be happening but that was from a man who's willing to sacrifice his life for the gospel of Jesus Christ that folks would be saved not worried about preaching to a group of work Christian workers about making sure about their salvation that's a man who started this church. What, is, what am I saying? That was sacrifice on his part, including him, 12 pastors and co-pastors this church has had. They have sacrificed for us to enjoy what we have here tonight. And I really think young people should listen to what I'm saying. Someone paid for that pew you're sitting on. You didn't pay for it. 
Someone's paying for this auditorium that Pastor Parker felt led of God to, to build and have her to be a, a light in the area of Kannapolis and the Family Life Center, all those things that were done. You don't understand the money that were raised and the sacrifice and the nights without sleep and the arguments in the church to build buildings like that and what was going on. That was a sacrifice. And we not not go through life and enjoy the facilities of Central Baptist Church and not realize the sacrifice was paid for us to enjoy it now. I think we owe them something. But we're not, we're not sharing that sacrifice, that load down the road anymore. Oh, it's just a nice place to go to. Well, listen, it takes a lot to keep this place going, but there's a sacrifice there. And, uh, and we, we ought not to disrespect that. When I come to the church, I come especially in the auditorium when there's time for services, I want to be respectful in this auditorium when it's time for church. As he said this morning, when we show up here, it's church time. We need to be respectful. We're losing this casual Christianity. I'm trying to accept it, but I'm having a hard time. Because great price, great sacrifice was paid for me to be a part of what I'm a part of today. I'm not going to forget that. I'm not going to live without knowing that and being reminded about that in my life. I mean... This is not just at Central Baptist Church, and I'm getting really picky here, and I'll probably be in trouble Tuesday. But anyhow, uh, but, you know, I, when I come to church, I'm going to sit there. I don't need to get out in my seat to go get a drink of water in the middle of the sermon. Well, I'm more respectful to the preaching of God's word than me. I'm a little bit thirsty. I've been five minutes since I had a drink of water. Amen. And I understand some Please don't get me wrong. I understand that some have issues. They need to go out and go, and we want you to go. Do not leave anything behind when you go. I'll stop right there. Don't take me wrong tonight. But we are so disrespectful of the preaching of God's word, God's word itself, the place we have to enjoy here, that we just get up and walk around like we're at home. That, that, that's, that bothers me a little. I know that's kind of personal and picky, and Pastor Dean would never say it like that, and that's okay. That's why you hired me. I can say those things. <laughs> but we lost our respect for the church and, and what's going on here. I mean, I, listen, if you were in the middle of a conversation with me and you were pouring your heart out to me and I turned around and walked away, what would you think? It's really quiet right now. You would say, that guy just ditched me. And you would be correct, by the way. <laughs> but when you get up in the church service, that's exactly what we do. That's how I feel. Because somebody sacrificed. Somebody spent hours studying to give you God's word, and we just flippantly go get a drink of water because it's time to get a drink of water. Or get coffee and spill it on the carpet so we've got to clean it up during the week. Oh, yeah, coffee stains everywhere. How much April? And they're everywhere. Anyhow, i got to hurry. So now i got you really mad at me. Here's the sermon. Let me give you a sermon. And I got off sermon there for a little bit. Let me get a sermon quickly. Two points here and we're going on. Number two, there are two sacrifices that we need to guard. We're getting spiritual teaching here. Oh, we're going to be out here even earlier than I thought. Is that okay? And uh, all right, I want to make sure I fulfill my obligation. Anyhow, number one, we must guard the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I've already alluded to this a little bit in the introduction already. God wants us to, the sacrifice guarded, the heifer, the ram, the goat, the turtle dove, and the pigeon. Abraham knew that all these vultures, if they got the sacrifice, uh, then God wouldn't come. 
And fire won't come from heaven. God's glory won't come. And he wanted that light to come. We must protect the sacrifice. As a preacher of the gospel and you as a child of God, we must band together and guard the sacrifices, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ uh, uh, for the future. Listen, I understand we got to get along, but we got to take a stand. Let's get along while we take the stand. We should not allow a liberal to say, this book is not the word of God. Right? We can't allow that to happen. We've got to say, this is the word of God. I thank God for a church like that. But we can't allow people to say, that's just, that's just a bunch of uh, uh, nonsense. It doesn't mean anything. We need to guard the word of God. And we can have many conversations about that, not for tonight. We must uh, not allow the unbeliever to make fun of the virgin birth of our Savior. We've got to guard that. We've got to protect that. Why is it getting washed away? Because we're allowing the buzzards to wash it down. Unlike our leaders in Washington, we need to rise above that and finally stand for something and do something about it. There's a lot of lip service goes on, but very little action goes on. And we should not allow the people who refuse to believe that we have in every word, word of God. People who don't believe that, we need to stand against them. If we don't have in every word, word of God, then we don't have the word of God at all. That's right. That's right. Amen. You can't have it both ways. If one part of it's wrong, then it's all wrong. If one part of it's wrong, we can just take parts of it out and just delete them all together. They're not, they're not necessary anymore, then let's take it all out. You know what I mean? We can't do that. And we have in every word. Why? I believe God's going to perpetuate the word of God through history, however long it lasts. People who refuse that, we need to stand against that. And we have churches. I mean, listen, I remember very clearly uh, one day I was visiting one of our shut-in folks many years ago, and uh, his sister was there visiting, and we are talking, having a good conversation, and she says, you know, I think Paul was a male chauvinist. And I said, I think he was short, ugly, and, and had bug eyes. So I got to do anything. Well, that was her excuse for not following God, Paul's teaching. And she happened to go to a Methodist church uh, in, in the area. And she was trying to tell her, and I said, well, that's not, I stood up a little bit and had a little discussion with her about that. It's either all true or it's not true at all. Can't have it both ways. The cross is our altar, and Jesus on that cross is our turtle dove and our pigeon and our goat and our heifer. And Jesus represents, is represented by those sacrifices, and you can't tear them down or allow the buzzers to take them away. The heifer represents the sacrifice of God. The goat represents the fact that he bore our sins. The ram represents the fact that he bore our burdens. The turtle dove and the pigeon represent the fact that he takes our sin and, and flies away with them, and never to return again. These must be defended. We can't let them go by the wayside. It's important. They must be defended. As the goat carried, the scapegoat carried the sins in the wilderness and never came back, that's what these represent. And these vultures, buzzers, they hide. They try to teach everywhere from kindergarten classes, samely enough to our seminary classes today and to our churches and to our people. And you got, we got to guard against it. We got to say this, the sacrifice. Now, listen, I'm trying to be real good here. 
if it was good enough for Pastor Parker, it should be good enough for me. He built the church, as we know today, this part today, this last 40 years, right, as we know today. In 30 years, if Pastor Dean hangs on that long, I think you're going to drive him crazy before that. It'll be built on him during that time frame. And I don't mean, you don't mean that by Jesus. Now, don't, don't take me wrong here. But Pastor Parker paid, well, he just didn't, he just didn't what? He didn't preach Jesus? He didn't preach the blood? He didn't preach the cross? What? I mean, let's be frank. What, what didn't he do? Well, I know what he did. I, I know him a little bit. We've had a few conversations. But listen, we've we got to realize we can't not let, uh, well, he was just old-fashioned. There ain't one thing wrong with old-fashioned. I'm old-fashioned. I'm old. I know you think I'm still young, but I'm old. And one day, you will be like me. But thank God I still got my hair. Amen. Had a little affection up there a few months ago, and I was losing spots. And Park came out and said, oh, no, here it comes. Baldness is coming my way. I'm in trouble. And I went to the doctor and gave me some stuff, and it's growing back in nice and full. My wife is so jealous of me because her hair won't grow. And but anyhow, I'm way off the topic here. But we've got to protect these things. And what's happened is we're allowing each generation that comes to change things, and we say it's okay. Well, I'm going to tell you what. The generation behind us, two down behind us, do not know how to work, and they're lazy. You'll have nothing in the future. You will have nothing in the future because you haven't earned anything in the future. And you're, you're, going, you're living on the coattails of what's here right now. That's great, but when it's your turn, what are you going to have to show for it? Because hard work, sweat, prayer, sacrifice built exactly what we enjoy tonight. And if you don't work hard to sustain it, you won't have it. You think that's what's happening in our country? There's a few folks who just don't have it. But thank God for many who still do. They're hard workers, they're, they're, they're uh, inventors, they're uh, ingenuity. Always something new coming around that we can play with while we're having church. Pretty soon we're just going to give you a little earpiece. You can stay at home. We'll preach to you through the earpiece while you do whatever you want to do. You watch it. You see if I'm not correct. And see what happens down the road. Anyhow, let's go on. Every generation changes. You don't, like, you don't, you don't believe me. What happens now? We'll live stream. Better off stay at home in your robe and a cup of coffee than it's come to church. Not all of them. Well, I understand, but it, it's, a, it's a thing. Anyhow, I got to go on. I get calls down. Hey, I, saw, I heard you preaching this Sunday morning. That was really good. Well, why weren't you at church? You know, my mind. Anyhow, I got to hurry. I'm being picky again. But every generation changes, so we got to we got to work on that. We got and I understand and I understand things change. I am accepting change. I, I'm accepting that things don't always need to be the same. And you should be proud of me. I'm, I'm doing a really good job of that. And some things can change, and some things should change, but some things need to stay the same. And the sacrifice of Jesus Christ should never, ever been changed or altered. Never changed. God doesn't call these by so-called proper names, but he calls them foul. And we may differ this evening, and, and Pastor Dean's alluded to this, and, and I agree with them 100% on this area right here, that we, God's church, 
have divided ourselves among ourselves. And it's our fault. God doesn't call these so-called proper names, but he calls them foul. Here's my point. We may differ on baptism, but we can still be brethren. As long as we don't differ on Calvary. You with me? We may differ on communion, and we can still be brethren, but we can't differ on the sacrifice and, and still be brethren. We may differ on prophecy and still be brethren. We can't differ on Calvary and still be brethren. And we may differ on tongues or healing or sanctification or denominations, and we can still be brethren. But you're not saved unless you come to Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And if that's not where you're at, that we, we don't agree, we can't get together. And don't be fooled by those who take uh, uh, Jesus Christ as their first step and add nine more steps to it. Because that's a work salvation. And they're all over. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm saved. I asked Christ to save me. Then what else are you trusting for heaven? Well, this, 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 and this. If you're trusting our baptism, your communion, your service, your sacrifice, whatever it may be, then you're not trusting Christ 100%. And we differ. I'm not joining up with someone who adds to salvation or takes away from salvation uh, uh, through faith in Christ our Lord. I'm not, I'm not joining up with somebody who's added or taken away from Scripture. I don't want the curse of revelation on me. And what we are to do is to chase them off. And, and, and uh, we shouldn't be calling them reverend. We shouldn't be sitting down with them and trying to see their side of the story. Uh, uh, why? They're vultures. When's the last time you invited a buzzer to have dinner with you? You getting it now? You get the point now? And some of us, some of you, you read books. You listen to these buzzers on the radio or TV or YouTube and you think they sound real smooth and you trust them and they're buzzards. Some of them. They're buzzards. We should, and what we should do is chase them away before they influence us and we lose the sacrifice of God in our lives. What we believe in. Our job is to protect the cross of Calvary. We are to protect the sacrifice so God will come. Don't believe the buzzards who take the cross and the blood out of Christ and the fire out of hell. We need to stand strong for them. In Christian love, of course. Number two. This is probably the most important one. We must guard the sacrifice of ourselves. Guard the sacrifice of ourselves. Romans chapter 12, very familiar to all of us. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present yourself a what? A living sacrifice, uh, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable or a reasonable service. Uh, a living sacrifice, not a dead carcass. Many people say, well, when I get old and retire, I'll serve God then. Now, God's more than glad to have you when you're dead and wretched and ready to hit the grave. But he wants you when you're young and able and full of energy. A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. Once you've accepted the sacrifice provided by God through his son, Paul says uh, that, that you are become a living sacrifice. And the sooner does a person get off his knees for salvation, all of a sudden the vultures show up and try to take away what you got. 
the joy of it. And how many times have I seen that over the years where someone in the family got saved and somebody else from another church or another belief comes along and scoops that person up and hauls them off to their thing. I'll say, well, they didn't help you get saved. We did, and where are you going? They're vultures and buzzards. The new and old convert must give their body as a sacrifice to the Lord. Listen, and listen, we cannot say that we truly have been born again without doing something to become a living sacrifice serving the God who saved us. A living sacrifice. And every one of us has a different responsibility. Everyone, everyone has a different job to do. But what is it? We must protect that. We live in a day where Satan is doing a great job at decimating the cause of Christ. I've never seen a time where God's people, God's preachers are so corrupt and crooked and they keep preaching. I, I just, I, and I'm not going to get to the negative too much, but I look at it and say, man, I don't want to ever have to be in that position. I don't ever be in a position where I have to put my wife in an awkward situation and have, when I have to apologize to a church family and she has to stand beside me. How awkward that would be. But some men go on and do that and they keep on preaching. I mean, you got no business preaching after that. You can still serve God, but you got no business being in the limelight after that for the cause of Christ. But we, 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 I don't know. I don't know what happened to us. There's no shame anymore in our sin. How's that? No shame in what we've done wrong anymore. Well, God forgave me. I keep on serving God. Okay, Jim Baker, go ahead. That's what it looks like to the world, though. And I just call so many names. But listen, we need to realize we're a living sacrifice. I'm not saying we sacrifice the opportunity, but we do sacrifice maybe a position. But we need to protect who we are. When I die, when I take my last breath, I hope it will be said by me by some preacher, he was faithful to the end for the cause of Christ. Or, well, he used to, and now he's this. I've seen too many of that, too, too many. I mean, I, I could spend time in stories and, and personal people I know and things that happen. I'm not, I don't want to get the negative. Let's go on. In 2 Samuel chapter 21, Rizpah, one of the concubines of Saul, when she heard that her sons had been killed, along with other sons of Saul and Saul, she went out there to where they were at, and she, she began to chase away the buzzards who were coming and trying to, uh, basically eat up the bodies of the sons and, and Saul before David finally went and took them back. And, uh, and, and we've we got to realize this evening, it's going to take some sacrifice for us, some heartache for us. Can you imagine being out there protecting the bodies of your sons from vultures? Probably one of the hardest things she ever did in her life. And what we're doing tonight to guard ourselves, protect ourselves, is not easy. If you think the Christian life is a piece of cake, you got in the wrong army. It can be if you believe God like Abraham did, but sometimes it brings heartaches and tears. If our life is sacrificed to God, we are dead to anything that the world has to us. But yet many of us today, as I see, even churches are trying to grab on the world, and I don't know where the line's at anymore. I don't know if there ever has been a line, but there should be a line between God's people and the world's people. You with me? 
I don't know where the line's at. I don't know where to draw it at, and I'm not trying to get up here and, and say, if you do this, this, and this, this is worldly. If you do this, this, and this, it's godly. I, I'm not going to do that because after all these years, I'm not sure where the line's at. I do know this, though, that every one of us that profess to be saved have the sweet Holy Spirit living inside of us, and he will tell us when we're doing the wrong thing or we're at the wrong place. And we should give heed and listen to it. Are you willing to walk away from some worldly event when the Spirit of God smites you about it? That's what I do now. I'm in a place that I, I shouldn't, we shouldn't be here. We get up and walk away. <gasps> it cost you money. I know it cost me money, but it wasn't a place I shouldn't be at. I need to walk away. I can think years ago when Andrew and I first got married, uh, we went down to uh, Youngstown to a, a little, uh, um, I think it was a little theater or something, and there was this well-known Christian group singing there that night. We said, this is great. We're a young married couple. We're going to go enjoy Jesus for a night. We weren't in the second song. We got up and left. We both felt the same exact way. said, so this is not what we thought it was. This is a rock concert. And we didn't feel comfortable. And then maybe you would, but I, we didn't feel comfortable. And we didn't know any better. We didn't know nothing back in those days. We were green as green can be. But we knew that the Spirit of God lived in both of us and said, you know what, you don't need to be here. When I was a young married guy. I spent money for those tickets. Sometimes it costs you something, doesn't it, to do what's right. And Abraham said, you can't have my sacrifice. Rizpah said, you can't have my sons. And we need to protect ourselves, the living sacrifice. And I love this verse in Mark chapter 9. I don't know if we ever actually looked at this this way before. Mark 9, verse 49 and 50, we're talking about being the salt. There's something in there we miss. For everyone shall be salted with fire. And what's the next verse? The next phrase. And every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Salt is good, but if salt is lost, it's saltness wherewith shall it be seasoned. Seasoned it. Have salt in your lives, uh, in yourselves, and have peace one with another. But that word sacrifice, and every sacrifice shall be salted. There, these are, I think, kind of a strange statement, both about with fire and purity. But we know both these things we talk about savor, they purify, they clean. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that thought this evening because I'm ready to wrap things up here and get out here because uh, I'm hungry and it's time for ice cream. My wife's gone. She won't know what I got. <laughs> but here's the thought. Saltness penetrates. It burns up the corruption and spreads out the impurities. And every work we have done is salted with sacrifice. Wouldn't it be a shame and a tragedy that we serve God sacrificially and we don't stand against the buzzards? That's right. That's right. We just let it go. We don't fight the buzzards away who are trying to make the Christian life some casual issue. I mean, I never heard so many people trying to explain to me what the Bible really says. I thought it said something different for 30 years, but I guess I've been wrong. There's something new that I don't know about the Bible that all of a sudden we know about now that Paul didn't know about. 
Martin Luther, all these guys. It's funny how we quote all these guys, but yet we, we don't like their theology. And that's not the point. The point is, my life has been salted by the sacrifices that I have done. I don't want to let some buzzard come take them. I'm going to chase the buzzard away. I think we ought to be nice about it. We ought to be Christian-like about it. But we ought to be able to take a stand about it. And Abraham was so engrossed in having this fulfillment of God's promise of having a seed and, and having a nation of many people. He's like, you buzzards, you can't have it. This is for me. Tonight, what's the buzzard that keeps flying over your head that you haven't chased away yet? And every one of us is different. But what is it that's affecting you that you need to say, you know what, no more. I've had enough. It's time to chase it away. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God this evening. Thank you for the story of Abraham. And Lord, I know it's not always an easy topic to look at ourselves and evaluate where we're at in our Christian life. It's not easy to see even what sin or what buzzards we're allowing to fly over us and attack us and we're kind of given into, we're given heed to, we're kind of, well, it's not quite that bad. And Lord, may we stand strong, especially on the cross of Calvary, especially on the blood of Christ, and especially on there's a fire in hell that people go to that don't know him as Savior. Then the sacrifices that we have sacrificed in our lives that were assaults, a purifying agent to help us to be who we are today. Let's not let some buzzard come and take that sacrifice from us that we have sacrificed in our lives. The head's still bowed. I'm just going to ask Karen to play this evening. And as you stay there in your pew tonight, it's kind of futile to ask you to come an altar anymore. We kind of understand that, and I'm all for altar calls. I'm kind of prone to them. There's your seat, some buzzard hanging around your head. Some buzzard that's been bothering you. You didn't know what it was. Maybe the Spirit of God's identified it to you tonight through the preaching of the Word. I won't belabor the point, but tonight may be a night for you, somebody to do some business with God about some buzzard that you've been allowing to hang around, defeat you, give you, put you in a place of depression, make you feel bad about yourself and the life you've been living. Listen, anything sacrificed for God is worthwhile. It brings joy and happiness. Thank you, Lord, so much for the Word of God this evening. And thank you for... A reminder tonight of the sacrifices of those before us and those that come behind, those that were behind us, who paid a price for us that we may stand tall. Continue to fight and chase the buzzards away. We thank you for the time, time tonight around the Word of God, time with your family this evening. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church, events, and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.